our schools this year. We ask this because you're so good to us, God. Move mightily. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Or you could stand the rest of the morning. That would be interesting. Um, All right, Matthew chapter 28. Shirley. Let's go, Shirley. (laughs) Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 16. Here's what it says. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given all authority. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, this text comes after a supernatural event. Jesus, who was crucified on a cross and buried in a tomb, rose from the dead. There was this great earthquake, and a couple of women come and see the, where the body was, and, and this angel speaks to them and says, Listen, there's good news. Jesus is alive. Jesus, by doing this, proved that he was everything he had claimed to be while he talked on this earth. That he was God in the flesh. That he was the light of the world. That he was the savior of mankind. He proved it. And the text says the disciples followed the instruction from Jesus to go to a certain place. And when they got there, this, this good news that they heard was confirmed. They saw Jesus, the risen Christ. He was alive. And it says... The text says they worshipped him, but I love it because there's some humanity in this text as well. Verse 17 says, but some of them doubted. (laughs) Some of them looked at the risen Christ and went, did I eat something bad this morning? Am I hallucinating? Is this, are you a ghost? I mean, they had to work that out because when people die and you put them in a tomb, normally they stay there. And so they were trying to figure out how does this all work and what does this all mean? Friends, our lives are built upon this story. Everything that we do as believers is based on the resurrection of Jesus. If there is no resurrection, if Jesus did not come out of the tomb, then we have all gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and we need a wellness check today. I'm being serious. If Jesus is not alive... We're in trouble. The resurrection is everything. Paul, Paul says it like this. He says the same thing. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. If Jesus is not alive, then Jesus is not God, and if he's not God, then we're crazy and we're left in our depravity. But good news, the resurrection is real. (laughs) Jesus really was a man who came and lived, and he taught about the kingdom of God, and later he proved that he was God and Savior of the world. And 
This isn't just a story passed on by those who believe. You know, some would argue, well, there's a group of people and they just made this story and then they just passed it on. And so just believers have passed this along. First century historians documented the life of Jesus. So people on the outside were amazed at what was going on with Jesus and his followers. So if you're here this morning and you're more of a skeptic, which it's okay to ask questions and wonder, how does this all work? There's room for you. And Jesus is continuing to work and speak and draw you close to himself. And I bet you if you actually do the the research and you study and you press in, you'll actually find Jesus yourself. (laughs) As a church body, Jesus is everything. Therefore, this text that we read in Matthew 28 is foundational to who we are and what we do. Before ascending back into heaven, Jesus gave instruction to his followers. He gave them marching orders. He gave them a mission. And this is the mission of the the church and the world, and this is the mission of living word. Verse 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm always... I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. So, directly from the mouth of God, we have our mission. You and I, we're we're called to be students of Jesus. A disciple is just a student, somebody who apprentices themselves to another. We're we're called to, to study his life, to know his life, to understand his teachings. And as we do that, as we learn these things, we're called to help others know the teaching of Jesus and follow in it. And a couple times a year, we take a Sunday to preach the same message about our mission and vision. Jacob this morning said, are we at that time of year again? When he saw the light bulb. Because, because we teach this message twice a year, and we do that intentionally. Because it's easy to experience mission drift. Uh, like my kids recently, uh, Zeke, who's sitting with us in the front row today, uh, they were recently boogie boarding with some friends off of Rocky Point. And we're sitting on the beach watching them. And, and within an hour, they were right in front of us. But the, the tide or whatever was pulling the water. You know how water works. <laughs> Been getting up early fishing. I'm a little loopy. Uh, within an hour, the kids were 100 yards down shore. And they didn't even know it. Right? They were just, they slowly were pulled down the shore. This can happen to us. We, we, can, we can experience mission drift. We can get away from the things that God has called us to. There, there may or may not be plenty of examples in Christian history where followers of Jesus drifted away from what they were supposed to do. Can you think of any examples? We don't want to drift. We don't want to drift into doing things that we're not actually called to do. And so we come back to this mission again and again and again. And if you are new, you'll see it in our foyer. You'll see it on our website. Our mission comes from Matthew 28, and our mission at Living Word is to follow the life and teaching of Jesus and to help others do the same. Let's read that together. Ready? Our mission at Living Word is to follow the life and the teaching of Jesus and help others do the same. So if you're exploring faith this fall and you have questions, it's a really great place for you. If, if you love Jesus and you want to serve Him, this is a great place for you. If you're trying to figure out how to work out your faith and live out your faith in your workplace and in your home 
And in the school, this is a great place for you. Maybe you've been serving Jesus for years. You know him well. You know his teachings well. It's a great place for you to help others understand what you already know. Maybe, maybe you've walked through hell in the last couple of years and you just need to be healed and restored. You need to experience love and grace and forgiveness. This is a great place for you. We're always going to be a community who believes that Jesus is the hope of the world and we're giving everything to know Him and to follow Him and to abide and trust in His ways. Amen? Okay, now on to vision. So that's a mission. Our vision gives a little more clarity in how we walk this out week to week. Our vision at Living Word is to connect with God and one another, grow in community, and leverage our lives to serve others. Everyone say, connect. Outside of a, a relationship with the Lord, we believe that we're hopeless wanderers trying to find meaning and purpose in this life. Every person on the planet, every person, is on a hunt to figure out the answer to some questions. Who am I? What was I created for? Why am I here? Everybody wants to know the answer to those questions. If you boil things down, we're all trying to figure that out. And we believe that the answer to these questions is actually found in Jesus. It's found in connecting with, with God. And the illustration that we come back to again and again and again is this light bulb illustration that we were created by God to know Him, to walk in His ways, to enjoy the life that He's created for us. So like this light bulb, we were created with great intention. There's intelligent design. This light bulb was created to do what it is doing right now, bring light to a room. Very specifically crafted to do that job. But in the very beginning of the scriptures, this thing happened where mankind decided we're going to walk away from this design. We're going to pull away from the source of life, the one who created us and gave us this design and gave us this purpose. We're going to disconnect and we're going to do things on our own. So we actually lost life. And, and so since that moment in time, humanity has been hungry, trying to find life again, trying to, where can I plug in to experience life? And we go throughout our life, young and old, plugging into things that we think are going to give us purpose and meaning, that we think are going to give us hope and peace, and they don't. And so we go from thing to thing to thing and thing, and, and we find ourselves hopeless. We find ourselves discouraged. This is, this is called sin. We, we disconnected from the ways of God. We missed the mark. We fell short. The Bible calls us sin. And the thing is, we can't make, we could not make our way back to God. But good news, God in His great love for us saw us in this broken condition, saw us in this hopeless position, and He came for us. Jesus came into this world. And gave his life and dealt with the separation that we experienced so that we could once again have life. So that we could find hope again. So that we could find meaning and purpose again. It's only by his goodness and his grace that we're restored. Anybody thankful for Jesus and his grace and his mercy? 
that, that we are restored and have life. Not because we strived our way back to God or we got it all figured out, but because He hunted us down in our brokenness and our pain. And He said, listen, come to me if you're weary and burdened and I'll give you rest for your soul. I'm so thankful for that. We were created to be connected to God. I'm going to turn this off just so that we're, we're still alive, but I don't want to blind people more than we have to. Um, this leads us to the second part of our vision, grow in community. Everyone say grow. grow. We were created to live in relationship with God and one another. The, the Apostle Paul uses the illustration of the human body in 1 Corinthians 12 to describe followers living life together. The human body is made up of all of these different parts, and every part has a specific function, but they all work together. They all serve one another. They all work in unity with one another. Growing up, growing in general, it doesn't really happen outside of a community of people. In community, we're spurred on to grow. In community, we're we're spurred on to change and be transformed. We can't settle when we're living life in community. In community, we're held accountable for our actions. And we have to deal with our issues. Anyone love that part? (laughs) We have to practice. This is what's beautiful about the church, the body of Christ. We have to practice the way of Jesus with one another. And we have plenty of opportunity to practice the way of Jesus, to forgive, to love, to serve. There's plenty of opportunity to do that. And we have to learn how to do that. I'll often tell people who are interested in getting into ministry or, or joining community that it's, it's kind of like uh, an unfinished block of granite being handed over to a group of people with hammers and chisels. This is, what, this is what actually entering into the body can feel like sometimes. Because without a doubt, if you're living life in community with other people, there's going to be a lot of forming and shaping and hammering and hacking. And the, the edges of our life kind of get worn off. And what's beautiful over time is this beautiful sculpture comes out of that through all the forming and shaping. It, the scripture talks about being formed into the image of Christ. That doesn't happen without a little bit of hacking on our lives. Amen? There's things that we need to let go of. There's things that we need to leave behind. And there's things that we need to pick up. And we're doing that as we live life in community. So if you see me doing something that doesn't look like Jesus, I'm expecting you to say, hey, what's going on there? Why? Why are you, why are you doing this or doing that or saying this or saying that? And I'm going to do the same with you. We get to do that together. In community, we're shaping each other. But it's definitely a choice. It, it does not happen automatically. Transformation occurs by choosing to trust Jesus in all things. And, and God is, is so gracious. He doesn't force His will upon us. He's given us choice. He's given us free will. We get to choose to abide and align with His will for our lives. I shared this story uh, many years ago, but I was sitting in, in a counselor's office. This is probably very early on in, in ministry for me. And I was working out a few things with my counselor, areas that I felt like I was stuck or that I was, I was just feeling stalled in my life. 
And the counselor that I was talking to, he just, you know, they, he did his job well. He just listened and took some notes. You always wonder, like, what are they actually writing in there? Like, this guy's psycho. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so he, he was engaging. He was being an active listener. He was repeating the things that I was saying. And he let me kind of talk for 20, 30 minutes. And then he stopped me and he said, it sounds like you want to see change in your life without making any changes in your life. I was like, ah, that hurts because it's true. And this happens in a community of faith. We have a desire to grow. We have a desire to pursue the things of Jesus. But we want to do that without changing anything in our life. And then we get frustrated and agitated that we're not being transformed and we're not changing and we're not experiencing what it, life is like in Jesus. It's because still, we're still holding on to all of this stuff that he told us to let go of. We have a desire here to grow. I have a desire, and I hope you have a desire to grow spiritually, to, to change, to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us. And if we need to make adjustments in the way that we're living, we make adjustments in trusting Jesus. We say, I'm willing to change this. I'm willing to address this. I'm willing to let go of this. I'm willing to pick up this because you are king, as we sang this morning. You're the one who's king. You're giving direction to my life. And I am abiding and trusting in your ways. Turn with me to John 15. This is kind of a, a core text for this part of our vision. John 15 Jesus is teaching his disciples in a rather intimate setting, relationally. And he says this, 15 verse 1, he says, I'm the true vine, my father's the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me. That word is to make your home. Like make your home in me. And I and you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do my life, your life, our lives together. We were designed to grow and to produce fruit. To produce something that's beautiful and beneficial and nourishing. And this only takes place when we are connected to the vine. When we're connected to the source of life, Jesus. And so when we're surrendered to Him, when He's King, when He's Lord, when we're submitted to His way, when we're following the life and teaching of Jesus... There are beautiful things that begin to grow and happen in our life. Not through our effort, but through our abiding. Yes. If you notice in the text, who produces the fruit, actually? God produces the fruit. We're just the branch that holds the fruit. And so we connect with Him, we abide in His way, and He produces fruit. If we disconnect from Jesus, if we disconnect from abiding in the vine, what can happen? What does Jesus say? Nothing. This is apart from me. Good luck! Good luck! So to recap these first two sections, Jesus is the source of life. He's the vine. Because of Jesus, 
We can connect back to God. He's dealt with our sin. The goal of choosing life in community is to grow together in the way of Jesus, to learn how to abide in his way. The last piece of our vision is to leverage our lives to serve. Everyone say serve. Serve. Good, you're still with me. Last stop, Matthew chapter 20. Flip there, turn there, type there. However you get there, Matthew chapter 20. If you are a follower of Jesus today, if you would say, I've surrendered, he's king, he's Lord of my life, serving is non-negotiable part of following Jesus. We don't, we don't fill out a card when we say yes to Jesus and go, all right, I'm all about these things, but serving, eh. Because Jesus himself, as we'll see, didn't come to be served, but to, but to serve. So if, if you are a follower of Jesus and you're not leveraging your life in some way to serve somebody, and that just, maybe that's just your family in this season. Maybe that's your kids in this season of your life. It, don't make it more complicated than it needs to be. But if your heart posture is, is not, how can I serve today? Then you're doing it wrong. We're, do, we're doing it wrong if we're not following in the way of Jesus, in the way that he modeled for us. Matthew 20 is the story of, of Jesus and a couple of the disciples and, and their mother. And the mom comes to Jesus and essentially says, hey, I can see that there's amazing things happening with you. You're, you're king. And so can you do me a favor? Like on your, your future kingdom, when you're sitting on your throne someday, can you hook my kids up? And like, give them the right seat and the left seat in your kingdom. Can you do that for my boys? That would be awesome. This is the conversation that takes place in the beginning of Matthew 20. Here's how Jesus responds to this mom and the disciples. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. So he points out to, to this mom and to the kids, I see what you're saying and I see why you're saying that because that's how the world actually works. So what you're asking for, it's not weird. You, you've seen that work that way. But this is not how it is to be among you. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Not to be served, but to serve. If anyone that has walked this planet deserved to be in a position where he was served, it was the Lord of the universe. Like, he's the only one that could have showed up and been like, all right, y'all, I gave you life. So I'm going to need somebody to rub my feet right now. Like, Jesus, if anybody deserved it, it was Jesus. But he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He humbled himself and made himself a servant. He showed us what it looks like to live with him. He modeled. He was an example for us. So when we follow in the way of Jesus, we we come kind of head to head with some ways of the world. And we have to sort it out like he had to sort it out with the disciples and this mom. 
So the things that maybe we crave or we're hungry for, or we think this is what it means to be in leadership or to have authority, some of those things we have to actually set down in order to abide and follow in the way of Jesus. Are you with me? We are called to be servants. As Jesus came and laid down his life for us. Man. Every single one of us is very unique in what we have to offer. And together, with a heart of service, man, we're transformed. Our community is transformed. I mean, I watch this happen in this church. And I pray for it to continue to happen and to grow and happen. <laughs> As, amen. Whatever Siri said back there. We get to do this. What a gift it is to live in Oak Harbor at this time, empowered by the Spirit of God to be His hands and feet to those around us. Man, what a gift. That's the vision. Connect, grow, and serve. We want to follow the life and teaching of Jesus and help others do the same. Everybody say, connect, connect. Grow, grow, serve. serve. You nailed it. You got it. I was tempted today, I told the worship team before service, uh, because we've done this message probably eight or nine times now, I said, I was, last night when I was prepping, I thought, I'll just ask, does anybody know this part of the sermon? And if you raise your hand, I'm going to have you come up and preach this part of the message. <laughs> they said, they might never come back again if you do that. But that's the whole reason we do it as much as we do. Because I want us to be able to communicate this vision together. It's not, it's not up to just me or our team to carry it. I want you to be able to communicate it very clearly. That's why it's just three words and it's easy to remember. Because, man, again, Mission Adrift happens and so we got to come back. Connect, grow, serve. Worship team, you guys can join me as we get ready to close. Why don't you get your communion elements ready? They're both in the one cup. The little bread's on the bottom. If you're new to church today or new to a faith community, uh, we, we do this thing called communion. We share in this symbolic meal together. And, and we do this regularly. Some church communities, they do this every week that they gather. Some, some do it quarterly. We do it monthly. The first Sunday of every month, we do this. Uh, one of the reasons we do it is because Jesus did it with his disciples, and he said, you guys should do this to remember often. So that's one of the reasons we do it. And, and as we partake in this symbolic meal, we remember that it is only through Jesus that we have connection back to God because he dealt with our sin and our waywardness. It, it came at a cost. Jesus had to lay his life down. He, he was the payment for our sin. And, and the bread in this little cup and the, and the juice in this cup, it's, it represents his body that was broken, and His blood that was shed for us. And so we take this to remember, man, Jesus loves us. He came, His body was broken, His blood was shed. He has given us everything. So we remember we're grateful. We thank God for His grace and His forgiveness. We also take this symbolic meal together to remind ourselves what we're a part of and what we're called to. So it's, it's an act of committing again and again and again to the way of Jesus. 
It's a way of saying, I believe that this is true, and I, I am a disciple, I'm a follower of Jesus. And so I'm going to take this meal again to remember that he has given his life for me, and I get to give my life back in service to him. And, and it's a way to reflect on our hearts and our minds and say, God, is there anything that I'm holding or carrying or doing today or this week that I need to leave behind in order to follow you wholeheartedly? Or is there something that you're asking me to take up this week that I have been ignoring and denying for many, many days? And, and today, I'm going to commit myself to follow in your way, and I'm going to pick up this thing. I'm going to have this conversation. I'm going to go talk to this person. So we remember with gratitude, and we also commit our hearts again to follow in His lead. Let's take the bread out together. The body of Christ which was broken for you and I. Let's receive that together. The blood of Christ, which was shed for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Let's receive that together. Will you stand with me as we close in worship? Thank you.